Hey, how's it going? This is Joe Walsh, bringing you the Get Out and Surf podcast. Doing an audio test. Nikki Hearn, please give me uh, some filler. Some filler or Just killer no filler. Um, yeah, um, here we are. Well, Again, I say this every time. I'm surprised that we're still going. Pat, you want to give me a shout out? What's up, Patrick? What's happening? Good did, to be here. Did you eat? Yeah, I ate. So you're not going to be Grumpy Cat. You're going to be... No, I'm going to be fine. I ate. We also... Uh, I was on the tower when somebody got hit in the head and passed out. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So we just, were just taking now? care of that. No, that was when I saw you. We were just finishing that up. Someone surfing? Yeah. Not one of our guests, but some American woman. Yeah. She can be all right? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, she's got a great surf story to tell about her visit to Costa Rica. And it'll get better as time <laughs> goes on, too. You no know, kidding. You can't script what happens in this town on any given day. I know at Witches Rock Surf Camp, it's just... It comes from all directions, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's funny. I, I left law enforcement in 2011, and I came to Witches Rock Surf Camp, and it's almost like I'm a chief of police of a small town because everything that happens in a small town happens in Tamarindo or happens to a guest or, or whatever. Yeah, we've been sitting there, like, had people come up and be like, someone's been swept out to sea or, yeah. you know, there's a, a boat sinking Right. Or There's lightning just hit something or someone. As long or, as you're on the subject, or a shark bite. Or, dude, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or a crocodile bite. A crocodile bite. There was, a, bite. There was a, a, that, that whale that beached up as well one time last year, last year in July when my parents were here. There was all this commotion down in by the uh, estuary. And this, I think it was like a pilot whale or something. It was a small one. And like, then they just dragged it out and off it went. Like, you know, just... Really? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, but that's just Tamarindo. Tamarindo's like that old school, like old west town. Like when all of Deadwood. a sudden... Yeah, like a Deadwood, <laughs> and you got a building that's on fire, and they're all passing the buckets of water. That's kind of like when that's Kiki it. burned. That's it. That's or Patagonia. Like that, yeah. Was it Patagonia Del Mar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, there's been a couple fires in the town over the years that mm. have kind of the, marked. The original Iguana Surf. Yeah. That, that, that was a famous fire. <laughs> yeah, that was. That was a that was a three-story rancho. Well, yeah, I mean, well, they all involved ranchos. ranchos. Did the one? Okay, well, wait a minute. Kahiki? Kahiki, well, that was where Iguana surfed, the right. same place. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah so but that, that, that oh, went down twice. Big, big famous rancho, yeah. That oh, went down. That burned twice. Uh, yeah, it burnt once as uh, Iguana surf, I think, and then once as Kahiki. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, were, they rebuilt the rancho and it burnt again. I'm pretty sure that's it. You guys have been here longer than I have, so. All right, I, I don't know. I mean, I, well, there was a fire there once. Maybe the, 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 the years are blurring. I'm not sure. I, I think the point is, is anything with a great big rancho. Could burn. Yeah, and uh, watch out Pasa Tiempo. Yeah, no kidding. That's about, huge that's, that, you know? that is the surviving one, and of course, it's a great look. Yeah, I love them. That's a great Costa Rica style. Of course, I've got I've got one at my house, but not near as as and as it's big outside, right? It's not like part of like your your kitchen. Yeah, or is it? exactly. No, it's 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 it's, it's, it's a rancho type thing, rancho. And then you had Sharkies. That's right. My sister-in-law Katie, who was yeah. on the absolutely Sharkies burned down, and then Patagonia del Mar. And Pescador burned down. Yep. Like, that was only a couple of years ago, That I think, was recent, right? yep. And in also, fact, there was a, was a fire at Patagonia last year. True. It didn't burn down. The Grease but, Fire? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Total Deadwood, right? Yeah, it's definitely Deadwood. Absolutely. It's a, it's why we like it. Here we are. Um, it's the Get Out and Surf podcast. We've got a very special guest with us today, Jesse Bishop, one of Tamarindo's most iconic characters, musician, and storyteller. Jesse, what's your full name? What city are you from? 
My name is Jesse Bishop Gay III. What city am I from? How far back you want to go? The original. I was born at the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland in 1952. So that makes you, uh, what, a Redskins fan? I was brought up a Redskins fan, but uh, I moved to Texas at a, at a an age where I transferred all my loyalties to the Dallas Cowboys, really, which really pissed off all my friends in Washington, D.C. <laughs> I don't know. We haven't hung out nearly enough, Jesse. Well, we've known each other for, what, 18 years, 17 well, years? but Yeah, I don't know. I guess... You're always playing music, and I'm always. That's always the hour of sunset. Maybe uh, either surfing or grabbing a cocktail, listening to you play. That's probably why. It's because you're on stage singing. I think it's your busy rock yeah. star lifestyle is what's gotten in the way. <sighs> My what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I play the gigs, and then I go home and take a nap. Yeah, but uh, it's a good nap. You live. Uh, you, where do you live in the area here? You know, I lived in uh, Langosta, of course, for geez, 16 years. We just loved it there. But we sold our house last year and have moved out to uh, Via Real. Oh wow, you're in the burbs. I guess so. You know, from Langosta to Witch's Rock Surf Camp, especially when that road was really bad, it was about seven minutes. Yeah. I could leave my house in Via Real and be at Witch's Rock Surf Camp in seven minutes. It's ironic that they just paved the road too, well, right? Yeah. yeah, it's still not. It's still not that great. We'll we'll see how 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 long it remains that way. Yeah. That's, I, exactly. But you're absolutely right. Driving to Langosta now is uh, r- relatively pleasant. Yeah, you know though, like I used to live in Virial years ago, uh, Money Fresco, right there above the airport. That's where we lived too for a while. You did, pretty. I mean, there's some really cool like. Costa Rica is so sweet. You know, we're in this little Tamarindo bubble. It's kind of got the, the dense construction with some condos and hotels and restaurants and bars. And then there's some community areas and some, you know, it's a it's a it's a cool funky town. But you you got to get out to the fringe here on the inside by the brewery to get that country feeling. I feel like in Virial, all you really see when you're driving through is that intersection. But if you live there and you're just in like not very far, like the road, the back road to Santa Rosa really opens up back in there or that monte fresco hill yeah. there's like some lovely like well on the back road to uh, uh santa rosa like you say you you'll be driving down there and you'll see a gate on one side and the gate on the other side just pass by it but boy you go in those gates and there's some really nice nice developments and houses and uh my singer uh stephanie lives out there in one of those places where you wouldn't know it was there until you go through the gate and then voila you know, lots of little casitas and yeah, swimming pool, and nice mini, and mellow. mini haciendas, things like that. That's cool. So Jesse, um, how many years you've been in Tamarindo and in Costa Rica? I think the first time I came down here was 1996, and uh, you know we made we're trying to make the right decision. Do we want to move here? Should we not move here? And uh, been here now 20 years and we're still wondering if it's a good idea <laughs> so i'm not the only yeah, one it huh? does feel temporary doesn't it you know not anymore really we, we really feel like we're uh, so what what drove here. you to costa rica was there anything in particular that made you come here oh basically i had robbed a few too many 7-elevens in my part of texas and as you being a uh, former law enforcement person yourself know that this is probably not not the place to stay with with that sort of record so uh 
we moved down here, changed our name, and uh, started playing at Witcher's Rock. So when you were robbing those places, what were you bringing in, your Fender uh, guitar? Uh, <laughs> no, you know, we uh, <laughs> early on, with when I met my wife, we were just kind of, uh, we were in Port Aransas, Texas, which was kind of a cool place, but everybody was getting old there. So uh, we went here to Tamarindo, to Costa Rica, and uh, it just kind of felt a lot younger. We, at, at the time, it was like going to the frontier, like we were talking a little while ago, and uh, uh, we were the first four times we came down here we drove really which was 2200 miles from my porch in port aransas to uh tamarindo four times four times wow so you take the you take the gulf of mexico route that's like the quickest way i think right yeah you know one time after doing the recommended route we decided well you know we want to see something a little different because you know mexico is a fabulous place to to pass through so we decided to take a route through the middle of the country, and it was going pretty well until we got to uh, Mexico State. You know, there's Mexico City, which is kind of like Washington, D.C. It's its own federal area, but then it's situated in the state of Mexico, which is one of the biggest ones there, and it's also just known for being one of the most corrupt. And gee, we'd be, we uh, were driving through the country, just taking our route, and we'd all of a sudden, we'd see an old, uh, kind of like a 1950s police car with the Mexican version of Barney Fife in it. And uh, they pulled us over, and uh, we were in the middle of nowhere, and they said, well, uh, let's see. Oh, you don't have the right sticker for your pickup. Uh, you know, let's, we're going downtown to see the sheriff. And oddly enough, we were able to uh, donate, I guess, $100 at the time. And we drove off pretty shaken, and, of course, 20 minutes later... We uh, same thing. <laughs> met the same guy, and uh, that was 60 bucks. And gee, we said, this is no fun at all. And we then went up into the mountains trying to get the heck out of uh, Mexico City going. Uh, the next stop was Cuernavaca, but it meant going up, up a real big mountain. Going down the other side, our brakes gave way. <laughs> and we said, man, this is just the end of this. About what, what could be worse? And there at the bottom of the... Uh, mountain coming into Cuernavaca was a, uh, a brake repair place <laughs> so we pull in there and he looks at it and he said I'll come back in about 40 minutes when it's slowed down or you know it's cooled off sure enough we came back and he charged us five bucks said yeah well, this happens all the time so we said we told him the story about man we were just over there on the other side of the mountains in uh, Mexico State we got robbed twice we were really freaked out and he says, yeah, he says, people that live here in Cuernavaca would never drive on that road into Mexico City because it don't matter to those cops if you're a tourist or you're a Mexican. They're going to stop you and rob you. Yeah, you're going to get hustled, huh? Yeah, and this is 1997, and of course, uh, a lot of the Mexican politics, especially in that part of uh, Mexico City, has been all about the, the incredible corruption that uh, exists there. And, yeah, I'd like to think it's been cleaned up, but we haven't done that trip now in, in you know, probably 12, 13 years. And the next two times we came down, yeah, we kind of stuck to the, uh, uh, to the main to, to the, the main road, going through Tempisque, crossing over in Oaxaca, and going in through Chiapas. And, mm -hmm. uh, it was always kind of very interesting, but uh, it's a while ago, and uh, I, I wouldn't tell someone not to do it, but you just really got to know what's going on. 
the, the big surprise was that there's just not a lot of traffic going from the north to south. Uh, we'd get to some of those borders like Honduras or uh, Guatemala or whatever, and it was an event. What were you driving? Oh, Monteros, uh, Troopers. See, one time I drove my uh, American Chevy truck down, and then I drove back in it, and that was, uh, you know, just whatever we had. Uh, we thought it was smart to drive down in an American car and then sell it. it. It looked good on paper, but what we found out is for you to legalize an American car into the Costa Rican system, you basically have they to pay well, for whatever it's worth yeah, once again. again. Yeah, they kill, they kill you on those import taxes here, which you think would make less vehicles on the road, and maybe that's what they're trying to do, but it sure isn't working. It just makes cars expensive here. Now, I know you've, you've, you drove the school bus down here. Yeah. Like, how long does that type of trip take in, like, a normal SUV? I, think, I mean, are you hanging around, well, or are you just well, taking we were, it easy? We had a car full of stuff, so we really wanted to get down as quick as we could. But, you know, we would do the occasional stops to see uh, ruins or whatever. We could do it from Texas to here in five days, not killing ourselves. But you drive only during the day, of yeah. course. You don't really want to drive at I, night. I was blown away. I remember being in Guatemala at Lake Atitlan, which is up high. you got to drive up a mountain range and then down to this valley to Panajachel, which is the city. This is up above Antigua, middle of the country. Beautiful lake. Beautiful. And there's this American guy that had just towed a giant, um, it was a giant catamaran. But it, was, it wasn't so big that you couldn't tow it on the highway. So I don't know how to be... I don't know, 15, 18 foot. It was a pretty 20 foot. I'm not even sure. Could have been bigger. But it was a boat. Towing a boat. And he made it from Brownsville, Texas to Atitlan in 24 hours. And I was like, are you kidding me? And because, I mean, we took our time too when we drove down. We were surfing. We were out going down the Pacific Coast, which is this huge coast. But, man, that Gulf, yeah. the Gulf side is... Not, it's actually quite short. Well, so that guy was from <laughs> Texas, though. Yeah, right? he, he, he goes straight to south. <laughs> yeah, dude. So what, he was a yeah. Texan driving yeah. 100 million miles an hour? That must be because there ain't no way. Uh, you have to go. You know, the whole trip is Mexico. And, I mean. I don't know if he slept. But 24 hours? Well, is that possible? It's a cannonball run, the Latino version. Well, it's a, it's, well, so a, you know it's a great story. You know the Texans are bullshitters, right? Well, they can tell a tall it tale. It has been, yeah, especially when another Texan hears the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, uh, I'm going to look at this on the map real quick. I don't know, maybe you got to do Brownsville. I think you've got to do Texas. a lot of amphetamines to do that. Well, I basically uh, one can only assume that that was probably <laughs> part of the uh, menu. I'm going to do Brownsville, Texas to Antigua, Guatemala. Okay, look at this. 29 hours. That would be if you didn't stop. So <laughs> so I guess it's possible. It's 2,100 kilometers. Now that's going, down, that's going down the Gulf side all the way down through Veracruz. I know those border crossings are unpredictable, too. <laughs> sometimes you can get through them quickly. Sometimes you can be held up for hours. They're always an adventure, and you figure you're going to get robbed at some point or other. Yeah. Hopefully not too badly. I think at the Guatemala-Honduras uh, border... Or maybe it was El Salvador. Got got there right at right at early in the morning for us, and we were trying to decide how much they were going to charge me to to cross the border. And gee, I had my wallet out, and next thing I know, this little hand reaches in and grabs my wallet and runs into this barrio 
little kind of wooden air, wooded houses and stuff. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at these, you know, officials, and they're looking at me, so I kind of go lumbering off after this guy. And fortunately, when I get to the entrance of the barrio, some uh, uh, an older woman is pointing at the ground, and there is my wallet on the ground. And they took about 60 bucks out of it, but they didn't get my driver's license and they didn't get the three or four hundred dollars that was hidden somewhere else and uh, so i don't know if that's a happy ending to that story but uh, got, an ending yeah i got the wallet back i got everything in it and um made it made it that no that's a happy ending because if you're in like mid-route on the way down oh, from mexico Jesus. you don't get your your license your id <laughs> yeah. you are no done. kidding dude you know i don't know what i was thinking when we drove down here because i didn't even have the title to the school bus or the suburban well you we were probably at. 17 and fearless <laughs> yeah i was 22 but yeah i was you know, close enough I, I don't know if it was fearless just clueless young dumb and <laughs> you know the the ironic thing is is that joe's what 43 now 41 Jeez, he's 41 years old and he still doesn't have the title to half oh. of this stuff <laughs> <laughs> or a costa rican driver's license now if we're talking about <laughs> never got one yeah. You have a driver's license here? Sure. Ever, sure. As a matter of fact, it's going to expire soon. Nikki, you have one? Yep. Hey, the, Pat? The last I heard it was... Pat, uh, Pat, do you have a driver's license? Yeah, I do. You do? I do. And the last I heard, you have to get it if you're a resident. Did you have to uh, go do a driver's, like a driving no, test? No, you just take it there and they... Uh, if you have an existing license from the States or wherever... Yeah, then it's not, area. Yeah, it's just... It's pretty routine. If you haven't if you don't have any kind of license and you apply, well then the you got to take the test and all that. Yeah, stuff. no. You, but the thing is, I went to San Jose a few years ago. I admit, and I went to go get my Costa Rica driver's license, and they told me that I had to be in the country longer than ninety days to get it. But really, you have to be in the country. You might not have had your well, residency but, but, then. But yeah, you I, own a business here, and you own a, a home here and stuff. Yeah, no, I would I think that They're qualifies as more than push that through. Yeah. Yeah, I just it was an oversight on my part. It's just you know. Yeah, it's only a 17-year oversight. <laughs> Going on 19 years. <laughs> All right, so you... Well, yeah. Joe, I was going to tell you, uh, <laughs> one of my ways of getting down here, there was a, uh, a cruise ship passenger car that was a line that was set up in Texas, and it was uh, on a 600-car ferry that had been purchased from the Mediterranean. Uh, apparently it had a fire and hundreds were killed on it, so they didn't they didn't want it in the Mediterranean anymore. So the, a Nicaraguan Texan company bought it and set up a uh, cruise that went from Brownsville, Texas to uh, Honduras. to the With your the, vehicle? With 600 vehicles, like a, a vehicle ferry. Yeah, really? uh huh. But it was also a, a a steam, you know, a like a liner passenger. Kind of. Yeah, and uh, it had been around, I think, about three or four months when we thought, well, this is this is cool. Uh, we knew about it before because it had actually had a uh, had been towed at one point to Corpus Christi because they had to refuel it there and. Uh, didn't pass some sort of Coast Guard inspection, and they kept it in port for a couple of months, and the people on the, the boat were having hunger strikes, and it was a big story for a while. So here was our chance to take this to uh, Honduras, and, uh, gee, we got on the thing, and uh, three-day, three uh, two-day trip, three-day trip, and, you know, whammo, we were there, 
uh, one of the big port cities. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, uh, got there at eight in the morning, and then they they I don't know they even know if if we were coming all six hundred cars and <laughs> the passengers, and we sat in this big uh, clearing area all day, and we probably left at uh, eight or nine at night, and ended up the next morning in uh, Nicaragua, and then you know next thing we know we're in uh, Costa Rica. So that was cool. About a month later, the same boat took its uh, its quota of 600 cars and passengers and left Brownsville, Texas for the uh, Honduras like it did before. It broke down after about a day, drifted in the uh, Caribbean for two or three days before they towed it into Veracruz, Mexico, where they let all the passengers off, but they kept all the cars on because they didn't have the right documentation so I guess they towed the passion the passenger ship back to Florida and uh, patched it up and on the way back to Mexico it ran into a huge storm and all the cars on the boat that's awesome got, got <laughs> wasted and of course the uh, the the uh, the business fell apart right after that and that, right. that so that happened about <laughs> I think we had the only successful trip they ever made. Dude, you're lucky. That sounds like <laughs> no a nightmare. Kidding. That would have been That's a nightmare. Awesome. It, That's was, awesome. it was an absolute nightmare. for, And we knew several people involved in that. Of course, it was total loss of your car. and. Uh, yeah, everybody who drives down, I like whenever I see one of these like vans with U.S. plates or Canadian plates in like the parking lot at the beach or, you know, people who've done the drive, it's always cool to hear the stories because <laughs> it's almost like no no trip goes without like serious events happening uh, it's a it's an adventure yep it's a total mission driving through central america from one side to the other man. And, and what you're hoping for at the time is no adventures because exactly it's you just want like to be like uh, uh uneventful uneventful but, you but, but these are main highways you're driving on usually and uh you know and, and really most people anywhere are not going to uh molest you on, on the way it's just a, a small portion of the uh, population and it's probably the same portion no matter where you are you know there's bad guys everywhere but most people are, are just pretty nice and normal yeah i think it's, it's one of those trips where you are going to make some memories of a lifetime but you're going to be in some of the most happiest moments of your life and some of the most scariest Absolutely. moments of your life as well but yeah. that's what it's about it's about traveling and getting out there when you're in mexico on the pacific coast everybody keeps telling you that the further south you go the more dangerous it gets at least that was my experience and so I was on pretty high alert going down the coast. And there were a couple times where there were, um, like, tires in the road that we had to just blast right through. And um, the borders were really, like, I think some of the sketchiest things. I thought the borders is, like, where any scam artist is going to be there trying to take advantage. So, yeah, Guatemala was fun. <laughs> Getting yeah. into El Salvador, though, was a total pretty, nightmare. Pretty scary place, actually, yeah. Uh, we were there uh, on one of the trips right after they'd signed the local peace uh, treaty after, you know, years of terrible wars. In Guatemala? In Guatemala, which basically means shooting the Indians there is, is what they do in Guatemala. So everybody was celebrating the military, the police, by shooting their guns into the air. And so, and so we were like rolling into town and hearing all this gunfire, but it was, it was happy gunfire, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think Guatemala was so sketch. I thought that Honduras and El Salvador oh, is like the sketchiest mm -hmm. part of that whole trip. I don't know. There's some great parts of Honduras. I know the Bay Islands are supposed to be amazing, and El Salvador's got some great waves. 
I've been there and surfed there. Libertad, like, Libertad. Is yeah, yeah, Libertad. camp right there on the beach, and that's not a place you wanna you wanna camp on the beach at all. It's actually pretty dangerous, you know. And of course, I didn't really understand that then. I just felt it and learned it through, like after a night of sleeping on the bus, being like, okay, <laughs> we're going into some compound for the next night, something with big walls and barbed wire, because you know you walk down the street there and you just stand out, and it's just not the friendly vibe, dude. It's not a it is definitely not Pura Vida. <laughs> so, Jesse, when did you start playing music? I think I had my first band in eighth grade. The eighth grade, I think. And uh, and it was always rock and roll. What, what yeah, made well, of course, it? we're talking about... Uh, I don't know. When were, when were you <laughs> when were we in eighth grade? It's probably 1966, 65. Yeah, you were, you, were, uh, you were in eighth grade, so... In Texas? No, this is actually in the, in the uh, Northern Virginia, where I went to high school and college. Uh, Back when you were a Redskins fan. That was yeah, yeah. With the Beatles. Yeah, nineteen sixty-five. The Stones, the Birds. I mean, uh, I, I, it, that music just grabbed me. I mean, up until that point, I was assuming I was going to go to the Naval Academy, like both my grandfathers and my father did, and then gee. I don't, I don't think I could have done that because to get into the academy now, you have to be an engineering whiz, whereas I was more of a artsy-fartsy type anyway. But yeah, I just started playing music. My, uh, my sister and I were in bands together all through uh, high school. My band in high school, uh, The Incredible Fog, uh, recorded on ABC Records, you know, and we, it's kind of fun. You'd be You'd walk up to pick up a girl on a date, and uh, your record would be on the radio. And you know, was, I got got some heavy kissing out of that. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, heavy petting. That's, uh, that's all we did back then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you came from a military family, I, I take it. Yes. And so you're an arm. You're a military brat. We call it. Well, the way I understood it growing up was that you were an army brat or a navy junior. A Navy who? Junior. Oh, really? Yeah. Of course, my dad was in the Navy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, so I was an Army brat. There so you go. <laughs> we, we traveled all over the world, and I'm sure you did the same thing. Where were you born? I was born at the United States Naval Academy, which is where my dad was stationed at the time, 1952. And uh, since we were on, on base, they had, you know, a real nice hospital there, dispensary or whatever you call it. And that's where I, I came out. And um, you decided you weren't going in the military, you're going to be a musician instead. I don't know if I decided that, but you know, it, just, it just was the way it worked because I was just so infatuated with the music at the time, still am. Uh, you know, uh, my good friend, our good friend Stephanie, the singer with, with our group, she was an Air, Air Force. I'm not sure if she was a junior or a brat, but uh, she did the same thing. It's a unique it's a unique experience to grow up with a military family and travel all around because you never really have I know in my case you never really have those long lasting friends you every 3 years you have to meet new people and you have to start over again so I was a little lucky by the time I came around my dad was fairly senior in rank and we didn't move around quite as much as, as other people I know in the military. It was like six years here, three years here, and then uh, he we moved to the D.C. area where he retired and 
you know, worked in the military industrial complex another 10 years. Right. So, uh, and you found your way out west. You, you made it to Texas. Yeah, and kind of, you know, I was in a hippie band that we formed in uh, Key West, and we would go up north during the win- the uh, summers and head back to Key West and during, for, the, uh, for the winter Key West scene, which, of course, is not very wintry. And just one time we decided, uh, instead of going back to Key West, gee, we had heard so much about Austin, Texas, and all the great music there. You know, this is 1972, 74, with, with all the great uh, Cosmic Cowboy, Willie Nelson is king, still is. So uh, instead of going back to Key West, we moved to Austin, had a great time for a little while, found out every other band that played that kind of music had moved to Austin. The band broke up, everybody split, and I stayed in Texas. And then 25 years So who years are later, some of the, the famous people that you may have played with in your day? Local guys in Texas, Gary P. Nunn, I think I played piano with him once. Uh, uh, it was mostly bands that we all had. Uh, mm-hmm. th- 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 there was a great rock and roll uh, concert hall in an old, uh, the National Guard Armory, okay, it was an old army, a big old building, and it had been turned into one of the greatest rock and roll halls in, in Texas, called the Armadillo World Headquarters. And I was kind of in their house band off and on, and you know, you'd we'd be walking through the main area, the stage area, to get backstage to uh, smoke pot or something, and you know, you'd walk through there, and she'd be Count Basie on the on the stage, or it would be uh, Willie Nelson on the stage, or John Prine, and it was just it's a great eclectic scene. And uh, sadly, I think they tore it down um, in 1980, 82. It's been a a gigantic banks parking lot now for for umpteen umpteen years but if you know anything about the austin scene they still have the armadillo uh christmas bazaar and there's still uh, vestiges of that i mean uh, austin texas was really cool but uh eventually i moved to the coast in port aransas texas where i lived most of the time and anybody from texas knows port aransas is Little little town on the beach. I asked my buddy Robert August. He, he yeah. knows he, he Robert, knows Port Aransas. <laughs> Robert told me that's where you guys met. Oh yeah, many years ago. Many how years the, ago. How'd that happen? Oh, um, you know, to be honest, I don't really, I, I I couldn't really answer that. I just remember we'd be around each other and um, he had a place down there for a while. Well, his right? his buddy Pat McGee is oh, kind of yeah. like the surf guru there yeah, and had a big, big shop and whatever Robert would be there he'd be involved w- with that uh, we, we certainly met back then but uh, it was really when when we both reunited here that I, I think uh, we really started uh, being a little more familiar with each other and now a little too familiar <laughs> <laughs> so there's some waves in Port Aransas then if there's a hurricane or something out in the beach, out, out in the uh, uh, Gulf, maybe uh, the people there are dedicated because no, nah, it's you know it's 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 not like the waves here or anything like that. Sure. But uh, th- there was there was a dedicated dedicated group there. I wrote a song about them called Surf Outlaws. You know, it's almost like those sorts of surf communities are the most respectable because. You really have to be committed, and you have to be there when the conditions turn on, which isn't that often. And uh, but they did exist. Sure, sure. No, I've seen photos of some decent surf there. I know everyone goes down to South Padre Island. That's supposed to be like the most exposed 
Um, I don't know how far. How far is Port Aransas from South Padre? Mm, Two hundred miles. Okay. Was, I've never surfed down there. I'd like to. I'd like to go surf Corpus Christi. I'd like to check out South Padre. I just uh, crossed off the list. You know. I think I'd just rather you know go check it out and then we'll go and have a look at the music scene more than anything else. I think that's what's more yeah. famous for. We can go to the there. we can go to the wave park there. There's that uh, wave park now in Austin. We yeah. Do that. So you were playing music uh, in Texas. You decide to move to Costa Rica to Tamarindo. You travel down here multiple times driving through Central America, which is quite the adventure. And you've been playing music here since as long as I've been here. Uh, you, you've lived here a little longer than me, I, I guess. When did you move here uh, full-time? or when? Full-time was uh, 2002, I think, is when we bought our house in Langosta. But we'd already been coming, you know, for yeah. six years before that. I mean, when I met you, you were 16 or 17 or something. No, no, no. I was older than that. Really? Uh, really? Well, let's see. I he was, just looked 16 or yeah, 17. No, yeah, no. Those were the days. <laughs> yeah. In fact, we had the uh, grand... I remember we had the grand opening party for Witches Rock Surf Camp. And you were there. And we played music. You were playing music. And then I got up on stage and I picked up the guitar. And we played Fine Young Cannibals. She Drives Me Crazy. Do you remember that? Probably not. Probably not. But I do. Re- <laughs> but that I do remember no. that whenever we got you up on stage, you were you were a monster. You 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 write, wrote some very very topical songs that were very uh, yeah that was very uh, there. But you were too shy. Yeah, you know what? I just I always felt like I didn't want to be the guy playing the music in my own restaurant. I just kind of felt like a little bit of a I don't know. Just it's kind of douchey, you know. Like oh, you're in my place, and now I'm gonna sit here and play music in front of you. I just I've I've heard this before from other people that uh, have restaurants that that are also uh, musicians. Yeah, hey, okay, yeah, because you, you know what, I, I you know Daniel Marie from uh, uh, Dragonfly, oh. fabulous performer, but uh, you know she just didn't didn't want to think she she should inflict herself on her audience, whereas you know she's awfully awfully good. So I think that's a common common feeling for for you we're building a new stage right now at the carol and uh it's gonna be pretty tight i mean you play there every single week you've been playing the surf camp for i mean i raised my kids in the apartment uh, yeah, yeah. listening to you play <laughs> and holly went turn it down i know dude because well, you have the full drum kit too well it was a rock and, and roll band yeah it was <laughs> hell yeah dude well and my kids got really good at falling asleep to really loud live music but uh some of my favorite music that you play would be that like '60s guitar, like well, it's called classic rock. Yeah, well, but it's not just classic rock; it's the surf vibed. Surf well, the ventures. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that's what you're playing. You're well, playing. we we were trying to do. I, I remember at the time with with the, I think we we're talking about uh, uh, the banana cake. Banana cake. Oh yeah, okay. And yeah, yeah, yeah we were trying to do walk, don't run, and Dude, we did sweet. pipeline and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you did, like, Dick was Dale, that, like a little bit of wah pedal. <laughs> And some distortion? Oh, yeah. Was there oh, a wah pedal there? Always. Was that your tremolo? What do you got going Well, you know what? I'm not a big wah guy, but... Uh, your tremolo yeah, guy. Yeah, I was, I was certainly using all those all those things. Dick Dale, who sadly passed away recently, of course. You know, he was like the king of that stuff. And, yeah. Uh, and we did some of his stuff, too. Miserloo and, uh, and... What's your favorite guitar? Strat? I, no. I have a Strat, and it certainly... I'm quite fond of it. I'm not sure if I have a... A favorite one because I have so many. I just uh, act. My latest acquisition was a uh, hundred-year-old Gibson Master Tone banjo. Oh wow! That I just came about by a very strange line. Uh, a fellow who used to play it at our jam sessions at Pasatiempo 
passed away about four years ago, and it ended up with our friend Rex. And, oh yeah, uh, I know, of course, from North Carolina. Oh yeah, and that's a good good friend of mine. And he, he plays banjo. No, <laughs> no. It's like I say, he ended up with it. And uh, originally he said, Jesse, I got this banjo that's worth $5,000, and if you help me sell it, you know, uh, I'll, I'll give you a cut and blah, blah. And uh, uh, he let me set it up, and uh, I did some research on it, and, oh, well, it was really a nice banjo and uh, was probably worth about $1,200, $1,300. And uh, I told him that and then made him an offer on it, and he said, oh, no, I'm going to see if I can get the the full thousand da, 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 da. and about a <laughs> about a year later I, I run into him and he says hey you still want that banjo and i said yeah and i i bought it from him and it's a it's a gas to play uh yeah i, I love I, how they sound i don't know how to play them though it's pretty much like playing a guitar uh one of my uh, favorite pastimes is uh playing with a brother brutus and uh i, I pulled out the banjo one time with them and we just they wouldn't let me put it down. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I've got, I've got to hear that the next time. What, I bet those boys and brother Brutus loved it. So what instruments do you play? You play guitar. You play bass. You play banjo. You play piano. I'm pretty sure you play drums. Oh No, no I can't. I, really? I do not play drums. I, I mean, I guess I could make some terrible noise on them, but no, I never have. Uh, of course, I love the mandolin. That's really, when I play with brother Brutus, it's usually with the mandolin. What instrument I love, and I also have a ukulele. Have so you, have you seen this thing? This is Pat's. It's like a yeah. Well, we were checking it out. A, a guitar and a ukulele. What's this called, Pat? Ukulele. Dude, you want to check it out? You want to pl play a little? Here, I'll hold your mic. It's, uh, it's strum. They say to tune it in the key of A. It's a regular. Well, it's, it's tuned up a fifth. Yeah. So a regular uh, uh, ukulele uses, uses these four right. strings. And just having the other two is, is fine. So, uh, so. I like this little guitar here. And of course, that's, I guess, a traveling guitar is what... Well, I guess that's what it is. But well, well, but a traveling guitar, per se, is tuned like a, a regular guitar. Yeah, that, that, that is... That's uh, up a fifth. It's it's a guitar lele, that's mm -hmm. what they call it. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's got a sweet sound. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't... You know, I'm, I'm not a, a great guitarist, and I just don't get a ukulele in my head. It doesn't compute, so... That's why I have that. Now, you see, about uh, December, my wife came back from Argentina and she brought me a ukulele. And I don't have any musical experience whatsoever. And watching these two guys, because uh, usually if you're in the office, there's a guitar there or there's like the guitar or something like that. And they're just sitting around as we're talking and they're like, you know, playing some stuff. So I was like, yeah, no, I think I could do it. It was better than sitting around and just 
like riding a bicycle sitting on my phone or something like that and so um i'm not a literal like i don't but like i had so much fun with it it really is but you just sit there and so you can find yourself just an hour or two hours have gone by and you're just trying to make a melody or a song or whatever and i haven't learned to play any song whatsoever i've just picked up whatever like different chords and then combined them. but i've had so much fun yeah. with it. it really has been great well, you know it I think it doesn't matter if you're Eric Clapton or just a guy that just likes to sit around and play. It's, it's that, that joy that you get from it that everybody shares. And uh, people vary in their uh, uh, capabilities on an instrument, but the vibe, the high you get off of it is the same, same all around. You know, it's just the joy of, of playing music. Agreed, agreed. Because I've been, literally when I've been putting my kids to bed, that's when I've been practicing. And so they've really, really liked it because obviously I don't play that well, but I don't, I don't think I suck. But like, they've really enjoyed that whole like, and that, it just puts them to sleep like straight away. And I get like an, an hour to like to practice or whatever. But like, yes, yeah, so I've really, really enjoyed it. And like the same thing, I've really felt that kind of like high and joy of when you finally get a melody that works that you like, it, and then you can kind of develop it. And it just, and it, 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 you can be playing and just I don't know what you call it, noodling or whatever. I don't know. And then so it goes another way, and it comes. You know, it's really interesting. I think noodling is probably the most expressive <laughs> word for what you're doing. You just kind of sit down and pick it up. People that are listening to the podcast, where can they see you play? How can they listen to your music? Well, you know, uh, on YouTube, gee, uh, if you just pop in Jesse Bishop, I think I have all sorts of just videos of me, but uh, of course, with our band Pinky Guaro and uh, the the duo that I have with my friend Stephanie Waltrip. Cool. So if you, you know, we'll Stephen Jesse, Jesse Bishop, Pinky Guaro, all three of those, you'll, you can get that. Uh, you can go on YouTube and hear my records from high school if you put Incredible Fog. There's, I don't think there's any pictures of them, but I know it has the music and I think a picture of the, uh, the record or something like that. And haven't you recorded a couple of albums down here as well? I don't know if you record albums anymore, but yeah, I have, uh, I mean, CDs, yeah, CDs that, that, uh, I, one is called the road to Tamarindo and the other one, uh, is called a gringo in Costa Rica. Yeah. And I, you know, now they recorded probably 20 years ago, but, uh, uh, we still do songs from Steph and I play several songs from that. And, uh, yeah, they're they're around. You play at Witches Rock at Albuquerque on uh on Saturdays. Uh, we're, we're we aren't there this week. We're playing the uh, Papagayo Taste of Papagayo Festival in uh, uh, Plaza del Coco, your old stomping grounds. Yep. But I I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be back next week because it's one of our favorite places to play, and, and for me it has been for what 12, 15 years. Yeah, a long time. Uh-huh. Well, we're finally going to have a proper stage. I mean, I guess we've had always had a stage, but this one's going to be a little more elevated, a little more space. Yep. Getting ready for the new season already, even though it's like, I mean, uh-huh. now's the it, time. Now's the time to it's, start. It was just March, and it's going to be December, like tomorrow. Yeah. Well, Jesse, thanks a lot for being on the show. A pleasure. What fun. Yeah, I've been really cool listening to some of these stories. You got me, you got me thinking about the drive coming from the states down here. We, because Pat, we talk about that sometimes. Just yeah, doing it, I would know? do it. Yeah, yeah you, but the last time I did it was literally 15 years ago. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not really sure what it would be like now. You know, the, the the problems that they're having now at the borders with the different gangs and the uh, army and stuff. Gee, 
And of course, the thing about Mexico is there's areas where that's happening, but the vast, vast majority of Mexico is just beautiful, and the people are just mellow as all get out. But if you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, I'm, I, I wouldn't tell anybody not to do it now, but I just you have to really know what you're doing. Yeah, I think that if, if we did it, I'd push hard through Mexico. See, I wouldn't want to push hard. I don't want to take my time and surf some waves. Yeah. We just got to get a seaplane, Pat. Let's just face yeah. it. Helicopter. Helicopter doesn't have the range. Seaplane has oh, yeah, the range. You have there to you land, and you land at the airport, and then you go surfing. That's a, that's a pain. I don't want to. I just want to land in the ocean where the waves are, and just catch a fish. I'm, I'm just gonna go surf out front and then check out uh, uh, Jesse at the at Vaquero. Yeah. Friday I'll, do a, I'll do a flyby in the seaplane. <laughs> <laughs> you and Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Just don't crash. I ran into Jimmy Buffett once. I didn't know it was Jimmy Buffett, and I was at the uh, parking lot of uh, Ryan. This is going to end it right now. You know what? I've told that story before anyways. <laughs> Fuck Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> I think we already ended it before. Yeah. Well, it's starting to rain. It's coming down. It's rainy season. Jesse, thanks so much for being on the show. Con mucho gusto. Thanks for listening to the Get Out and Surf podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Witches Rock Surf Camp, located beachfront in Tamarindo, Costa Rica. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe to the show. You can do that on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And if you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. That would be great. That's it. We'll see you next week, same place, same time, with another episode of Get Out and Surf. Pura vida y nos vemos!